Happy noon, church. <laughs> I was going to say good morning, but we just missed it by a minute. God is good. And all the time. Now, I got to let you know, I see about an equal amount of fanning on both sides, but it's cooler on this side than on this side. This side is hotter. You take that however you want it, but this side is hotter than this side. Um, this morning, only this side of the air conditioning was working. This side was like 75 degrees. This side was 80 degrees. It wasn't working. And so we tried to get it going, but as the offering was being collected, I noticed it wasn't coming through the vents, so our deacons were working on it to try to get it going again. So it was a little cooler back here, so I might preach from the pulpit. Well, no, just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, if I don't sweat a little bit while I preach, then I'm not preaching, right? No, you don't want to see that either. <laughs> I, have a, I have a sprinkling system in my jacket. It kind of keeps me cool. You don't want to see that. Uh, well, um, let's see. I know I saw Dr. Pauline here earlier today. I think he's here. There you are. I uh, want to encourage everybody here to go down to Loma Linda at 3 o'clock today to listen to Dr. Pauline talk about Revelation 13 and current events. Um, I was really hoping to be there, but I'm going to be on the road. But they're streaming it, right, as well. So if you want that link, um, talk to Ken or I. Uh, we can send you the email. I just got that email yesterday, I think, from the university. So you can stream it if you're not able to make it. Will they be archiving that as well, do you know? Yes, good. So if you can't watch it streamed and you can't be there, you can watch it on the archive. And uh, I know it's going to be good stuff. So thanks for doing that this afternoon, uh, Dr. Pauline. And I know all who listen will be, will be blessed. Um, today we are continuing our series in the book of Philippians. And we are in verses 3 through 11 today. But before we turn to that passage, um, I want to talk about a gentleman you may or may not have heard of. His name is Don Pellman. He's 100 years old. And he um, is breaking records in the Senior Olympics. A hundred years old. Now, I hope when I'm a hundred years old, I'm still jumping like that. Um, this is what they call a centenarian athlete. He's competed in 127 track and field meets since retiring at the age of, not the age of, oh no, in 1970. He broke five age group world records at this week's San Diego Senior Olympics. Is that crazy or what? <laughs> well, with that picture, he became the first centenarian to, to clear the bar in the high jump, jumping just shy of three feet. Now, three feet, you know, ratio, I don't know what that ratio is to a hundred year old person, but that's probably like up there, you know? Broke 27 seconds in the 100-meter dash. Now, now, just keep that picture there for a second. I don't know if you can see it, but you know they're running fast because look at that guy's beard. It's like, whoosh, right? <laughs> uh, he set records in the shot put, discus, long jump, but he still wasn't satisfied. He said, this is the worst day I've had in months. I thought I was in better shape. <laughs> Man, alive. Unbelievable. Uh, well, God has created us to be full of life. And God has created us to finish life well and to finish it strong. 
And I like what you were talking, Sandy, about, about running. You know, to this day, I still don't understand why people want to run so far and for so long. I don't get it. I mean, if you have to run far enough that you're going to have food stops along the way, there's something wrong there, right? <laughs> Sorry to all the runners out there. I just, I just don't get it. I like to have food nearby at all times, just in case. And just so you know, like, I fueled in between services. So you're in trouble because this is a long event, you know, start at 8.30. If I don't eat in between services, man, I'll pass out up here. So I'm fueled and ready to go. You're probably needing fuel, and you have an Italian preacher, so you're in trouble. Um, but I'll try to keep it not as long as usual. But God created us to be full of life, to know life, and to finish well. And that's what this passage is going to talk about. Really, Philippians talks about that throughout. But according to the gospel, in the kingdom of God, full of life means full of Christ. Full of Christ is what a full life is in the kingdom of God. To know life, to be full of Christ, and to experience abundant life. We want to live well, we want to finish well, and Christ wants us to live well and to finish well. And Paul wants the Philippians to live well and to finish well. And we will discover at the end of this passage we're looking at today that to finish well also means to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So let's look at that. Beginning in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. From the NIV, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Wow. Now remember, remember where Paul is writing this. This shows you the fruit of righteousness in Paul's life and what's coming out of him through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul's not sitting in some nice air-conditioned cafe with his laptop, you know, his decaf, double skinny, sweetened whatever latte, and his favorite worship music in his headphones writing a letter. Where is he? He's in prison, chained to a guard, dependent on those outside of the prison to bring him his meals and to bring him whatever aid that he needs. And here he is thanking God and praising God for what he is doing in his life, but, but mostly what, he, what God has been doing in the Philippians, in the church at Philippi. He says in these, these verses, let's look at verses three through six, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, is there anybody in your life that you thank God every time you remember them? Yep. I hope so. <laughs> I hope there's somebody. I'm hoping there are people in your life, I'm sure. But here's Paul. Every single time he thinks of the Philippians, he thanks God. In all my prayers, he says, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Paul is giving thanks. He's giving thanks for what he's experienced in the Philippians of their past, what they've done in the past. Paul received, we're going to see later on in Philippians, Paul received help from the Philippian church more than once. They sent aid. They sent money. They sent resources. And so he gives thanks that not only did they receive, but they also gave in the work of the gospel in Paul's life and in his ministry. And so he's giving thanks for all of them. And he he uses this word in verse 5, because of your partnership. Now that word, you, you may have heard of this word before, koinonia. Have you heard that word before? And oftentimes, I remember in the, in the 70s and the 80s, you know, that was like kind of one of the buzzwords. It's like fellowship, man, let's hang out. You know, this is, this is fun. We fellowship, warm fuzzies. But that word in the Greek is, is not just this fellowship, but it means to, to partner and to share in together. And so Paul says, we're in this together. We're in this, we're in this partnership. You sharing your resources and me sharing and us being together, we, are, we have this, this partnership together. And so we are together in this. Church, we need to remember that we here in Cala Mesa are in a partnership together. We're in a partnership together for the gospel of Jesus Christ here in Cala Mesa. I'm your partner. You're my partner. And the people sitting next to you are your partners. We need to get to know our partners a little bit more, don't we? And we partner together in the gospel work. Let's not fall into the, to the, the, the trap that our society lures us into to be just like consumers. Consumers of religious things. We come not just to receive, but to give in this partnership of the gospel. To give of our talents, to give of our our monetary resources, to give of our time, because we're in a partnership for eternal things, not for temporary things. It's the greatest partnership that we can be a part of. And you know what I love about our church here in Calamesa? Is that we're in a partnership sharing together in this work and it's multi-generational. Isn't that awesome? Unfortunately, sometimes you don't realize how blessed you are when you come here all the time because there's a lot of churches that have mostly all classics or all young people. Or, now I, I, you can giggle, you know. I'm entering that classic side, so I have to be careful when I say old, right? It's like classic, right? I like that I'm becoming classic, right? But we have this multi-generational partnership. And we come here and we have the young and we have the in-betweeners and we have the classics and we have, oh, I just love it. And we partner together. Now, now I'm going to kind of call somebody out, and I hope they don't mind that I do this if they're still up there. Jared, are you up there? Do I see Jared? Where's Jared? Jared? Can you, can you come out to the balcony here? He's going, oh, what's pastor doing, man? He's in the sermon. You see Jared up there? Return and look at Jared. He's partnering with me today in the gospel. He's learning to run the video for this church. Yeah. And that video is going out online to all kinds of different people. And so thanks for partnering in the gospel here at Calamesa, Jared. And I like that Lyle and Les pulled him in and start mentoring him in that. So, hey, any of you young people or any of you want to get involved in This is the AV plug right here. Want to get involved with the audiovisual team? We can partner. There's ways to be involved. Thank you, Jared. Appreciate what you're doing, man. It's awesome. Well, we partner together, the young and the old, the classics, the young. We, we work together, and everything that we do is a part of partnering together in the gospel. 
We can't lose that big picture. This last week, or this week that we just had, um, I oversee a uh, program for the conference called The Journey. And uh, last spring, Sandy Roberts asked if I would be the director of this program for our pastors in this conference. And it's a, it's a retreat for pastors. It happens three times a year where they get away and they spend extended time alone with God and in community together. And then they also, there's some teaching that goes on to grow as, as ministers. And this last week, as I was planning a while back for this retreat, I said, wouldn't it be great to have my friend Lou Venden and Will Alexander come up and just spill out of the overflow of their life with Jesus in ministry with all the pastors there. And they were gracious enough to come up. And this is what I love about these guys. These guys, let's put the picture of them up there if we can. What I love about these guys is that when, we, when I met with them to talk about them coming up and, and being with us on Tuesday, because Tuesday is kind of the teaching block. You know, we get up there Sunday night and we get together and we kind of say where we're at and what's going on in our relationship with God and in our churches and our families and things like that. And then Monday is our, our time where we get in the Word, we marinate, and then we spend several hours alone with God. And then we come together, we process that and so forth. And then Tuesday is kind of a teaching block day. So they had all Tuesday, the morning and then the afternoon, and, and, um, and they just blessed us. But you got this sense, you got this sense when you were with them that we were in this partnership for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And hearing their stories about from their childhoods up to meeting each other at La Sierra University in, what was it, 1947 in Greek 101, you know, and then hearing about the college days and universities and then ministry and uh, just, just amazing, just amazing. And Lou, you, you said something, and I, and I think you were quoting Eugene Peterson or you, you put your twist on it, but you, you said these words. I want to put it up here. You said, every meeting with a person is a privilege, a chance to spy out suppressed glory, ignored blessing, and forgotten grace. Amen. Wow. Now, now, I'm sorry, Lou. I'm going to keep calling you out here, but if you know Lou and Marjorie and Barbara, that's them, isn't it? Amen. When you're with them, you get a sense you get a sense that, that, that the glory of God in you through Christ, you may have been suppressing it a little bit because of the load that this world brings on you. Or you may have ignored the blessing that you have because Jesus Christ has redeemed you and saved you and forgiven you. And you may have forgotten the grace that God has shown towards you in his love through Jesus Christ because the world just has a way of beating us down a little bit. And so thank you for that reminder, Lou. And we need to remember that as we are together in this partnership of the gospel, that we are to journey together and to value each other in this process. Paul goes on in verses 7 through 8, and he says, well, before I do that, I'm sorry. I don't want to forget verse 6. Oh, my goodness. See, we have to remember, church, that Paul was confident of God's work in the Philippians, and he's confident of his work in us, that he who began what? A good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Who's doing the work? Is it you or God? Who is it? Some of you aren't sure. All together. Okay, let's make sure. When you leave this place, I don't want you trying to go out and do the work that only God can do in your life. Because that would be pain and misery. <laughs> 
But it's God who does the work. It's God who brings the completion. Now, we get to partner with him, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But he is the one, and we can be confident of his work in us through that. And so Paul goes on, and he says in verse 7 and 8, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Do you notice how many times he uses the phrase all of you just in these two verses? All of you. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for how many? All of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Every single person in this church is valuable. All of us. All of you. All of us are valuable in partnering together and sharing in the grace of God. And the grace of God is God's activity it's God's power in our lives. To Paul, whether that was prison, whether it was mission or ministry, it's the grace of God that does it all in us and through us. It's what he's up to among us. Deacons, deaconesses, elders, nominating committee, even the nominating committee to nominate the nominating committee. Sabbath school leaders and teachers and prayer quilters and pathfinders and adventurers and finance committee and board and prayer teams and floral, people do floral arrangements, worship leaders, AV team, community service, greeters, potluck teams, women's ministries, decorating committees, maintenance teams, and our school and all the ministries, we are partners together in the grace of God in his ministry and mission to this world. Please never ever think that if you serve on a committee or you serve on a team in some way that it's busyness. We are partners in the gospel and we are sharing in the grace and activity of God in this place and what we're doing. And even if you don't have a title, remember, titles mean nothing in the kingdom of God. Absolutely nothing. But be active in sharing in the grace of God in this church and in this community. Now, I want to stop preaching. I want to get to meddling a little bit, if that's okay. 12, 18, it's about the right time to meddle, right? You're getting on the verge of hungry. Don't take this personally, unless it applies to you, of course. <laughs> there are just a couple of things, and these, are just, these aren't everything, but just a couple of things I want to throw out that I think greatly have, they're little things that cause great negative impact on sharing in the grace of God together as a community and in partnering together in the gospel. And one is, if you hear a rumor or a statement a saying about anybody in this community, or anybody in this world, for that matter, check it out first, and don't ever assume guilty until proven innocent. Always please assume innocent until proven guilty. There was a, a king who had an assistant, and the assistant went about the town sharing some untruths about the king. The king wasn't aware of that until after a while he started hearing these things coming back to him and, and he traced it back all the way back to his assistant. And so he said to his assistant, he says, um, there are some rumors out there about me and as I've looked into it, it, it seems to come back to you. And the assistant was very apologetic, felt very bad. He fell to his knees hoping he wouldn't be killed by the king. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me, whatever I can do to make it right. And he said, all right, I forgive you. He says, now there's just one thing I want you to do at this point. He says, I want you to go back to your room, I want you to get your pillow, 
and I want you to climb to our highest mountain. I want you to rip the pillow open and let all the feathers out. Like, well, that seems kind of easy. All right. So he did that, came back the next day after making the trek and doing that, and he came to the king. He says, King, I've done exactly what you've asked me to do. Is there anything else you would like me to do? Yes, just one more thing and you're done. Guess what it was? Now go pick up all the feathers. He said, but king, that would be impossible to do. There's no way I could pick up all those feathers that have come down from the mountain. And he said, exactly. There is no way I can go back and fix everything that has been said about me for all the people that have heard those untruths. It's hard to be undone. Now, I'm telling you that not because I think we have a big problem with that in this church, but we're all human, aren't we? And sometimes those things happen. And it's those things that also break down the relationships and break down the partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it happens on larger scales as well. The other thing that, now maybe this is just a pet peeve of mine, and we're never supposed to include pet peeves in sermons. But here it is. <laughs> Sorry. There's a statement that makes, it's, you, know that, you know that sound when you put nails on a chalkboard? Now some of you might actually enjoy that. I particularly don't. But here's the phrase. It's easier to ask what? forgiveness than permission. Let's just say that's not right, okay? Let's just say that's not okay. That does not create strong partnerships in the gospel and sharing of God's grace in community. What that means is I'm going to do what I want to do and manipulate the situation and then say I'm sorry afterwards. Can we just agree that that's not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Let's just, let's just say that. And that's so easy to do sometimes. And yet, let's remember the beauty and the power and the generosity of God to forgive us. And let's hold that to the highest esteem as possible. Because we are partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we share in his grace together. And we want to do everything we can to strengthen and to make that as powerful as possible. And Paul says, I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. The Greek brings out, I long with you with the bowels of Christ, deep down in my gut and who I am. And what type of love is that? It's a love that initiates. It's a love that always reaches out and doesn't wait to be reached to. And so Paul challenges us in that, in this community. And finally, our last section in Philippians 1, 9 through 11. I want to go there. He says, and this is my prayer. His prayer for the Philippians, his prayer for this church community, and let's say his prayer for us today in the 21st century. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. This is his prayer. His prayer that, that the church of Christ would abound more and more in God's love and knowledge and depth of insight. You know, sometimes you've heard the phrase, love is blind. Oh, just love, love. Don't worry about it, just love. But true love grows in knowledge and in insight to be able to discern as he goes on what is the best and what is excellent. I like the way the New American Standard says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are 
excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. This word that's used here is, yes, it could be used to distinguish right from wrong, which is important, but it actually brings out from what is good to what is best. When I thought about this, I I went back to the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Matthew chapter 5, and about six times Jesus says, you've heard it said, and he quoted this law, right, which is good. And then what does he say? My favorite word. But I say better, right? You've heard it said, this is good, but I say better, right? You've heard it said, but I say, you've heard, this is good, but this is better. The way of Jesus is always better, always. It's always the most excellent way. It is always the best way. To love like Jesus, to be loved by Jesus is always the best and the most excellent way. And when that happens, there's fruit. Fruit of righteousness. Fruit that comes from the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and oh, that last one, (laughs) self-control. That's a tough one, huh? That's a tough one. It's tough because we can't do it. But the Spirit in us can. The one who began a good work that's going to complete it. It's by the Spirit. It's by Jesus. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Only fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of righteousness. I'm going to jump to Philippians 3. We're going to tackle that in weeks to come. But I want to at least look at it because... We have to remember, church, this is not our doing. It's the doing of Christ. He says in verse 8 of chapter 3, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, my favorite word again, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Did you hear it? It's all from God. It's all from Christ and knowing Christ. This grace that comes from God, the power and activity of God, it's him and his presence in our life that Titus, in the book of Titus, says, teaches us to say no to ungodly things. We'll put it on the screen for you. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it, grace of God, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. It's God's activity, church, that does it in us. It's God's activity that does it in us. Now, several weeks ago, I put up a diagram on the screen uh, that came from Dallas Willard about the whole person and the soul. And so we're gonna put it up. I want to revisit it a little bit again because we're gonna we're gonna get real practical. We're gonna do we're gonna do what one of my teachers at Last Year, Dr. Charles Teal, said is that we're gonna put tennis shoes on this and make it walk a little bit. Okay. So here we have what I think is a great Adventist diagram understanding of the soul. 
In the middle, you have the spirit. Now, remember, the spirit is not some unconscious type of uh, being or existence, but it's the word that the Bible uses for our heart and for our will. The Bible uses those words interchangeably, spirit, heart, will. And then we have the mind, our thoughts and feelings, which then we have our physical body. Then we have our relations, how we connect um, and social with, with the people, which makes a whole person, okay, the whole living soul. Now, the key is that we looked at several weeks ago, the key thing is who are we submitting and surrendering our will to? Who is influencing the most? Because we are all as human beings being shaped and formed at the spirit level, at the will level, at the heart level. Are we asking Jesus to do that? Are we letting our jobs do that? Are we allowing, oh, you can fill in the blank. But God, the good news of the gospel is that he offers himself to us to say, I can transform your, your will and I can impact your spirit. And so what we want to do, next slide, is take in the word and spirit of Christ. We want to take that into our heart. And as that begins, as the spirit of God begins to transform our spirit, our heart, our will, it impacts how we think and feel in different ways. It impacts what we do with our bodies and how we interact with other people, right? At the same time, you can go backwards and say, wherever I interact and what I do with my body and what I take into my brain will impact my what? My spirit, my heart, and my will, right? Remember that song growing up? Be careful, little... (laughs) That was some deep truth there, right? (laughs) Same thing. Now, under the next slide, when that happens, then we evoke faith in Christ. We grow in our relationship and fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of righteousness happen. Now, Dallas Willard would also say, grace is opposed to earning but not to effort. Okay? We, we don't do things to earn God's favor. Favor is favor. And God has shown his favor to us by sh- giving us Jesus Christ, his son, and giving us the Holy Spirit. But then he also says what? Now come follow me. And when we come follow me, he's going to ask us to do things because he's teaching us. And so there are things that I will refer to today as Christian spiritual exercises. Let's put that up on the, on the screen. These are Christian spiritual exercises. Now, I'm just going to pause for a second because there are some people out there who think when you talk spiritual exercises, you have now started entering into new age and you've turned into Eastern and all kinds of mysticism and things like that. Let me tell you, if we're not exercising as Christians, we're not growing. And we are not going to grow deeper in our relationship with God. And so I just put some of these up here to, to share with you because these are ways in which we can give God space in our life. We can give him our attention so that he can teach us and take in the the word and the spirit of Christ. And so for things like solitude, alone with God, just being alone with God, sometimes just being still with God, like sometimes we just need to be quiet, right? (laughs) We need to turn off everything else and we need to give God our attention. Fasting. Now sometimes people think fasting is just like not eating, but when you fast, You don't think of not eating, you think of feasting on God while you're fasting. You're giving your attention to feasting on the things of God and not the other things. Secrecy, okay, now, now here's one. I'm sure somebody out there will go, now here we go. Here's the mysticism part, right? Now let me tell you, this is a wonderful spiritual exercise. All secrecy is, in fact, I challenge all of you to do this spiritual exercise this week. Do something good for someone else and don't tell another human being about it. Keep it a secret. Because then it's just between you and God. And boy, will that work on your ego? (laughs) 
because you so will want to tell somebody about it. Because then you tell someone, wow, that was really good. Wow, what a nice person you are. Right? Just keep it between you and God. Keep it a secret between you and God. It's good for the ego. Bible study. Meditation, or my favorite word, marinating, right? Marinating in Scripture, right? This isn't meditation like just empty yourself and just really let anything come in. This is meditation upon Scripture, upon the Word of God, right? Worship. Did you know you were doing spiritual exercise coming to worship today? Some of you are like, yes, it feels like exercise in this heat, right? Service, serving people, confession. The Bible says confess your sins one to another and experience healing, right? That's probably a spiritual exercise we don't do enough as Christians, Fellowship, there's that koinonia word, right? Sharing in this partnership together. Journaling. Book of Psalms, great prayer journal right there. And journaling is where you can just keep it real with God. I mean, prayer to all of these, but, you know, you read David's journal in the Psalms, his prayer journals. That's why he's up and he's down and he's all over the place, because he's real. He's real with God. Sabbath, to stop, to rest. It's important to our spiritual exercise. And memorization, I think, for me personally, memorization is, is the most powerful spiritual ex- exercise of my journey because it goes in the mind and it, it just, the neurons start firing a different way and it gets rewired in another way. And no matter what you're doing, driving, going to sleep, exercising, waiting in traffic, you can marinate. And it's powerful, powerful spiritual exercise. Will Alexander, who was there along with Lou that day, He said this. He says, if we don't do much with scripture reading and we don't do much with prayer, we won't do much with who? The Holy Spirit. Wow. If we don't do much with scripture reading and we don't do much with prayer, we won't do much with the Holy Spirit. These spiritual exercises are important. Giving God that space to sit at his feet. I want to share a couple of quotes from... uh, one from Desire of Ages and one from Testimonies because they're powerful about what I'm saying here. She says, In all who are under the training of God is to be revealed a life that is not in harmony with the world, its customs, or its practices. And everyone needs to have a personal experience in obtaining a knowledge of the will of God. We must individually hear him speaking to our heart. When every other voice is hushed and in quietness we wait before him, The silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. He bids us, be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. Here alone can true rest be found, and this is the effectual preparation for all who labor for God. Amid the hurrying throng and the strain of life's intense activities, the soul that is thus refreshed will be surrounded with an atmosphere of light and peace. The life will breathe out fragrance and will reveal a divine power that will reach men's hearts. Wow. That's, she was saying a lot there, wasn't she? She goes on, testimonies. Those who will put on the whole armor of God and devote some time every day to meditation and prayer and to the study of the scriptures will be connected with heaven and will have a saving, transforming influence upon those around them. Great thoughts, noble aspirations, clear perceptions of truth and duty to God will be theirs. They will be yearning for purity, for light, for love, for all the graces of heavenly birth. 
Their earnest prayers will enter into that within the veil. This class will have a sanctified boldness to come into the presence of the infinite one. They will feel that heaven's light and glories are for them, and they will become refined, elevated, ennobled by this intimate acquaintance with God. Such is the privilege of true Christians. I won't do another long one, but just a couple. We're not going to put it on there. I didn't give it to, to our projection person today, but she, he, she goes on in the testimonies, another one. She says, the choosing of the better part, the sitting at the feet of Jesus, as did Mary, to learn the most sacred lessons of the divine teacher that they may be laid up in the heart and practiced in the daily life. Meditation upon holy things will elevate and refine the mind. God's grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. And Jesus bids him to come follow him. Paul was a devout follower of Jesus Christ, wasn't he? And we see it in his life. And so he had joy, and he's calling the Philippians. He was rejoicing and giving thanks for the work that he'd seen in them. He'd seen the fruits of righteousness in their life, and it was overflowing. He was giving God thanks for that, and he praised God. He praised God that he had filled them with the fruits of righteousness and would continue to fill them with the fruits of righteousness until he came again. Christ wants us to be full of himself, full of Christ, full of life, full of the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, which then causes us to give glory and praise to God because we know it's only by him. And church, we can be confident because he who began a good work in you and I will complete it and carry it on to completion until the day he comes back for us. Let's pray. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do in our lives. And Jesus, today we, we also think of things that are going on in the world around us. There's a lot of conversation about end times and the Pope being in the United States and speaking to both houses. And Lord, these are important things, no doubt. But Jesus, our focus must always be on you. There is no one else. There is no power that will lead us through to the end except you yourself. And Lord, may we not be so consumed with things that are happening that we forget to spend time with you. That we don't create the space to sit at your feet and for you to do the work in us that we need to give our attention to. For, Lord, we know and we understand that we are partners in the gospel together, sharing in your grace, your ministry, and your mission here in Calamesa and abroad. So thank you, Jesus, that when you left, you didn't leave us as orphans, but you have given us the Holy Spirit to fill us, transform us, and empower us to love this world like you have loved us to love our enemies like you have loved us and to pray for our enemies like you have prayed for us. For while we were still yet sinners, you died for us. So Jesus, may we today surrender to you again and allow you to plant deep in our heart, our spirit, and our will your seeds of righteousness that we may bear much fruit 
for your glory, to your praise. Would you take a moment in silent prayer now to speak to God about what he's placed on your heart in this very moment? Now as we go, may we go remembering that we're partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing in his grace together. And may we enjoy allowing him to fill us with his fruits of righteousness because he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day he comes.